Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, the podcast which explores what it means to be a future leader. We speak with interesting people about topics that really matter. In today's episode, we speak about inclusive cultures with Baljeet Kaur. Hi, Baljeet. Hello, Ian. Lovely to be speaking to you today. Yeah, you too. You too. Um, so getting into things then and to sort of introduce you to, to our listeners, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what makes you an expert in inclusivity? Okay, um, so as you've just introduced me, I'm Baljit Kaur. I am uh, the Managing uh, Director for Innate Consultancy. Um, mm-hmm. The consultancy name actually derives from this ethos that underpins uh, equality, diversity and inclusion. Okay. And that's very much around we all have an innate need to feel respected and valued and included in our workplaces. In society, generally, per se, yes, but in our workplaces, too. Yes. Yeah. We are a microcosm of society and we all have that um, need. So that's where very much the, you know, the the, the name of the consultancy comes from. Yeah. And you and you, you Ian, uh, you know, kindly sort of uh, refer to me as an expert, my expertise in this area. And just to pick up on that point, in that this area is so vast, it touches upon all aspects of society. The breadth and the depth of the subject matter is huge. It's um, It covers all that we do and how we present ourselves on a day-to-day basis. So I don't think anybody can be an expert <laughs> in this area. It's evolving, it's emerging all the time. But yeah. absolutely, am I passionate about making a difference in our workplaces, in our, in our societies? And absolutely, do I bring a set of skills and knowledge that would be helpful to organisations? Organisations that particularly um, struggle with, you know, how to diversify workforces, how to progress talent within an organisation that's identifying talent, nurturing that potential and evaluating that talent. You know, huge questions there, huge implicit assumptions within all what I said there. You know, organisations that say we have a bit of a toxic culture, it might be around language or banter, um, or our leaders don't get this, whatever that might look like, that's where I come in to support organisations. Wonderful. And we met, of course, on a, on a webinar um, where you were talking about sponsorship uh, in, in, you know, as, as processes mm-hmm. within an organisation. That's where that really, you know, brought that sort of topic to life for me. And I kind of, I was drawn into how you were talking about the topic and your your obvious knowledge and, and passion for the discussion so you know for me it was an easy it was an easy conversation then to approach you to join us on 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 our podcast today so thank you again for for, for doing that so so if i'm a if i'm a new executive into a team uh and i've kind of landed in this organization and i'm and i'm not sure how inclusive it is but i've got just a feeling that it's just not where i'd like it to be um, I bring you in, and uh, and and you then start to describe what what an inclusive culture looks like. How would you how would you do that? What would you say are the markers of a, of an inclusive culture? Mm. Okay, uh, it's a, a good question, a very um, um, sort of large question. Yes. In simple terms, in simple terms, I would actually say this is about the feel of an organisation, yeah. how people feel. So when I talk about that innate need, we all have to feel respected and valued and included. You know, we are all physiologically wired to want to belong. That is an innate need in all of us. So an inclusive culture 
but you know by virtue of saying that is where um one everybody absolutely feels respected valued included but a culture that works for everyone culture that works for everybody regardless of my different perspectives and opinions regardless of my sexuality ethnicity gender whatever that uh, aspect mm -hmm. of my identity might be um and really for me this uh, you know in a nutshell is about the values and behaviors that are displayed by the organization and when we say the organization who is the organization it's the individuals within the organization yes. so what are those values and behaviors and can we actually identify what the values and behaviours we actually want. So what are almost those pro-social values and behaviours that we want to see in all mm. our people? Again, how do we evaluate those? How do we measure those? How do we reward people in an inclusive culture that are displaying those inclusive values? And yeah. how do we root out those that aren't and also um, address those issues? Because often we, you know, we if this is a difficult area, mm. we might identify performance in this space but in terms of tackling that you know values and behaviors are very different to sort of technical aspects of the job which are very much measured by targets yes. um, and competencies very defined competencies this is almost a little bit ambiguous area so people being skilled managers in particular being skilled in terms of identifying and evaluating where are those poor behaviors and values manifesting and how do we root those out um, so that's a little bit about inclusive culture. And if you say to me, what are the hallmarks? For me, this is um, this is very much an organisational commitment. So this is a meaningful commitment from the organisation that they create the conditions whereby we have those outcomes that we've talked about, where it works for everybody, everybody feels valued, and also we engender that sense of belonging. We've got to have those conditions where people have that sense of belonging. When we talk about sense of belonging, that's the outcome. There are things that have got to happen in order for that outcome to be achieved. Yes. So if the outcome is the sense of belonging, then what are those hallmarks, those key steps that get us there? And for me, there are three clear steps when we talk about inclusive cultures. In the way that the culture manifests, uh, in inclusive culture manifests, is where everybody's voice is heard. And especially those voices are heard that are different to everybody else. Mm. So that's the one hallmark that I would say. That's the first hallmark. The second hallmark for me is everybody is supported and especially those individuals where their needs are different to everybody else in the organisation. So this is where the play on difference does come into place. When mm. we talk about inclusivity, we need to talk about similarities and differences that we all hold. But when we talk about building an inclusive culture, it's ensuring that everybody that is different, whatever that difference looks like, they have that voice. They are able to, um, you know, uh, elevate their voice in the organisation and yeah. they are supported. The organisation is responsive to their needs and requirements. And then the third hallmark very quickly is around the organisational commitment to ensure that everybody has that consistency of understanding and are very clear on their expectations. What's expected of me? What is my personal contribution to ensuring that the culture within which I operate is an inclusive one? So those would be my three hallmarks for what describes an inclusive culture in real terms. Cool. OK. And, and you know, I, I like it when things are boiled down uh, in that way. Um, I've often been told I oversimplify things, but I do like it when you can kind of <clears throat> boil things down and, and, and dare I say it, 
you could potentially measure those things either through observation or, or asking people. Um, mm. well, one of the words that was really coming through to me then while you were talking um, that, that maybe is another word for belonging is safety. I wonder whether you're feeling safe, whether to speak or to behave or to be somewhere is also something that people tell you and how you feel about inclusive cultures. Yeah, absolutely. So so when I talk about inclusive cultures, um, when I'm working with organisations, we do talk about this aspect of psychological safety. We mm. do talk about this aspect of physical safety. We do talk about uh, this aspect of emotional safety. So when we talk about safety, it's very much broadening it because we know when what somebody is operating in a non-inclusive culture, they're experiencing behaviours and values which go against the grain of the organisational values. Then um, the mental impact on them will manifest itself physically. So, you know, we always see that uh, correlation between something that's impacting me emotionally and mentally will manifest in some physical outward uh, way. So they're all intertwined. So absolutely, the sense of, it's probably better to say, sense of safety and belonging. So yeah, yeah you're right, Ian, absolutely. Yeah, cool, thank you. Um, so going along with the, the the same sort of role play scenario of, of you've come in to see me as, a, as an executive in, in an organisation, and I've told you, you know, here are my problems, you then outlined what an inclusive culture looks like. Um, you know, how do you then encourage me to lead my business to become more inclusive? How do you how do you sort of tip me over the edge? If I'm, if I'm still kind of, oh, I'm not sure, how much will it cost me? Is it the right thing to do? Does it, does it make the majority uh, in the organization feel uncomfortable? All of those usual things, I'm sure you've, you've heard these things a hundred times. How do you tip me over the edge to say, yes, I'm bought in, I'm, I'm up for this? Mm. Um, so, there, there are a number of things organisations can do, and really there is no one size fits all. So this is very much understanding your context, your culture as an organisation, the dynamics within your organisation before you, before you decide where, where do I start here. Yeah. So I often say the, the one almost failure for organisations in this space is they have this um, very reactive response to what's happening in the external environment so be it you know the race conversations we've had last year be it sort of you know sexual uh, harassment misogyny yes. which seems to be very current unfortunately on the back of you know the two uh, deaths well 80 deaths in total but the two that have received the high profile more mm. recently um so we we almost adopt that reactive approach and and we don't actually sit back and think right what is our planned cultural shift that we need to adopt as an organization and have a programmatic approach to the way that we um we, we manage uh, this process so it's very reactive which which just makes us look as an organization a little bit chaotic mm. not having that overall sense of purpose as to what we are looking to achieve in overall terms and really organizations just need to do absolutely that reflection and think about moving away from those um, short-term reactionary responses to more careful, considered, purposeful and deliberate responses. So it's almost the difference between a reaction and a response. You know, we yes. want organisations, yes, to be responsive, but we don't want them to necessarily be reactive all of the time. Yeah. Um, and appreciating, you know, sometimes there's a balance between the two, but what I see more of is organisations being more reactive and not so responsive. 
So the responsive approach is very much taking that careful consideration as to where we're at as an organization, what are the culture and dynamics, what are the business benefits to us. So that's the starting point. Understand what, why this is important to you, to your organization, and what would be the benefits to you. And for me, that we're not going to rehearse the business benefits now, Ian. We simply haven't got the time, but there's lots of information out there in terms of data and research which tells us about the business benefits. But all of that sometimes is more data-led. Yeah. And really, for me, this is more emotive. This is more, you know, we need to talk about this in that sort of uh, emotional uh, area rather than that sort of data intelligence area. Yes, some people are switched on by data numbers, etc. And absolutely, that will be key yeah. to the debate key to the narrative but what we need to move people uh into is the space where they actually get this they feel it you know so in terms of feeling it that's a different response data doesn't get you to feel things what gets you to feel things is when you actually look to understand the perspective of others you know the concept of perspective taking you know what is life like for others so for me, the key steps in an organization and certainly starting steps is understand the dynamics in your organization. Those dynamics will be through those anecdotal stories that you come across. Those, those, uh, that, that, that emotional intelligence will come from what your people are telling you. So be it through focus groups or even through surveys or be through these safe space discussions. Those have been so prominent last year as a result of George Floyd's death. We've had so many race conversations, but I would say that is the one thing that has really moved people, really affected change in organisations, because people are able to empathise. People are under, uh, are able to do that perspective taking and yeah. therefore understand what life is like for somebody else. And that's where we need to get the organisation. So the organisation feels it. When you feel something, you are more inclined to act upon it as opposed to somebody externally, some researchers telling us this is a good thing to do, so let's just jump on the bandwagon. So um, getting that information, understanding that is a good place to start. And in terms of, um, you know, uh, your point, Ian, around the majority, how do we convince the majority? The way that we couch discussions around uh, this subject matter is very much that, you know, it needs to be inclusive of everybody. You know, it's almost that, let's answer the question, what's in it for me? If every individual in this organization said, what's in it for me? How do we translate all of this sort of almost corporate spiel we might have around diversity and inclusion into what does it mean for each and every individual? And everybody will gain here. Because if everybody's working in an environment where I can voice up, I can actually give you my perspective and ideas on a daily basis, regardless of, you know, my ethnicity background, whatever it might be. If I'm able to, you know, come to work and be myself, showcase all aspects of my identity, you know, so this is for everybody, because in terms of that identity, identity is complex. And, you know, when we think about white, male, heterosexual, you know, that profile that sometimes thinks I'm not part of this conversation. This Mm -hmm. isn't about me. This is about, you know, black and brown people, perhaps, or everybody else. Um, This is about saying that, you know, you have aspects to your identity, which also matter in the workplace you know single parent or you know going through whatever life circumstances it might be whatever those issues might be this is about everybody being themselves so the what's in it for me is the key key nugget the key um hook that we need to hook everybody onto yeah no that's a really good point um and something um i'm certainly learning um through through time about you know lots of these issues and one of the things that really smacked me in the face was how even basic things like job descriptions and job adverts 
cannot be inclusive, um, either to you know very male dominated rather than um, appealing to females, or or even you know certain certain races and 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 um, genders. And it just really kind of and of course being you know a, a middle aged white man, I I couldn't see that before. Um, whereas now as part of a a new energy company. Um, I'm helping to set up. We're talking now about the job descriptions and making sure we're writing them with inclusive language and, and really looking to appeal to a wider audience. And I just didn't even figure on that before because I wasn't experiencing and I was looking at job descriptions and they were talking to me. Um, I just didn't understand it. Mm. So what's the process, Ian, that you went through in order to come to that understanding? What, what happened? What intervention took place? Um, was it some awareness raising session? What was it? Well, so so it was it was something I saw on LinkedIn actually um, about from a recruitment agency mm-hmm. around making sure that your your jobs your and your your adverts are appealing um, to a wider audience and and I think you know whether it be the hours that the person works or how you sort of look at the location of, of where the person works or how you, um, and, and the way it was explained to me was, as a, as a very basic level, a, a, a man may look at a, a job description and think, I can do most of it and therefore I'll apply. Whereas a woman might look at it and kind of go, well, I need to have everything on there before I apply. And, and that, obviously that's an oversimplification of, of, a, of a much more nuanced issue, but just we sort of building into the job description that, you know, we can support you. We're not looking for you to have all of these things um, mm. in, in your in your on your CV already. So it was a it was a notification. I suppose I was open to the idea, and and I'm I'm always sort of keen to see a combination of how it makes me feel, but some data as well. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah. how that kind of really smacks me in the face. Yeah. And the reason I asked that question, it's really interesting to listen to you there, Ian, in terms of that, you know, understanding and that process of that understanding. The reason why I asked the question, what was the intervention that took place? Because this is, we need to have these interventions in our organisation mm. because, you know, the whole, the, 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 we, we all know, you know, we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. So on that basis, you know, people are at different points in terms of their knowledge and awareness in this issue. And if you remember, one of the hallmarks of an inclusive culture, I said, was an organisational commitment that they will ensure that everybody has this consistency of understanding and they are very clear as to what the expectations of them as individuals are. And this is where the interventions come into place. If you do not bring that knowledge back into the organisation, be it through a LinkedIn article that you saw, be it coming to a webinar, be it going through a learning and development awareness uh, programme in your organisation, whatever that intervention looks like, then we're missing opportunities. Yeah. So this kind of intervention is absolutely key. Um, but the whole idea is if, if you are privy to information and knowledge, it's how we actually bring that to life within the organisation and mm. how we ensure it's embedded in our policies and procedures. Yeah. So that's really key. So there is so much information out there. Yes. But unless we do something about it and have those moments, as you said, those discussions and that awareness raising, uh, opportunities, then we've mm. missed opportunities. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a, a really good point to talk talk about it, and and in particular, being comfortable that not being aware of it in the past has meant that you have made mistakes actually, and and you have got it wrong, um, 
uh, and that wasn't from a point of view of, of, of actively discriminating, but you've just kind of gone along and, and, and you've been part of an institution and a way of doing things. Um, and it was a blind spot that you might have had. So I think being able to open up to the, the idea of, well, if I got that wrong, maybe there's some other things that I'm getting wrong as well. So let's start talking to more people and, and, and um, educating yourself a lot more on, on, on wider topics so that you kind of just realise that your, your fixed view on how your life has gone so far um, has meant you've learned your experience and your journey and it's more important, well, not more important, but it's also important to learn other people's experiences and, and, and how you can help them too. Mm. And there's two things implicit in what you said, Ian, because I'm, I'm loving listening to you because this is absolutely the kind of conversation and, you know, we need to spark and ignite in our organisations. And those sort of collaborative spaces allow us to do so. Those what organisations might be familiar with the language of safe space discussion. So that's exactly, you know, I came across this, however I came across it, let's talk about it, you know, let's, let's find, let's unearth this. Um, so that's really great. And there's two things that you said there in terms of one, you know, everybody's lived experience is different. So we are all going to have gaps in terms of our knowledge and awareness. I have not been exposed to every culture. I have not been exposed to every experience. So I will definitely have gaps in my awareness. So it's how we start to plug those gaps, you know, without overloading ourselves. So that's a programmatic approach that I refer to. But when we're plugging those gaps, it's absolutely your point, Ian, in terms of saying, hey, I didn't know this. I didn't know this, or I don't know this, or yeah. actually I'm going, I might get this wrong. I've got it wrong in the past, I've corrected that, but now I'm going to get something else wrong. All the things that you've just said. Yeah. And that's really key to trust. Because trust, when we talk about an inclusive culture and something we haven't mentioned uh, when we talked about, you know, what what an inclusive culture looks like. But the, the sort of under, underpinning uh, principle there is all around trust. Trust is that one relational factor that is that is key to building an inclusive culture and the kind of trust that you just talked about there is vulnerability based trust so there's various types of trust rapid trust for example is i'm technically good at what i do so i get that immediate rapid trust the organization is going to trust me in terms of my professional competency the technical aspect of what i do but then there's the vulnerability based trust yeah i trust you because you are exercising humility and you are exercising integrity by saying things like, hey, I haven't got all the answers, but let's get together, you know, bash heads and let's just think, you know, how we how we progress these issues and listen and learn together. So that's really key. And it also implicit in what you said is this whole issue around, you know, how can I make a difference? Mm -hmm. So I don't know what I don't know, but how do I learn? How do I engage? How do I listen? And how do I ensure that I use whatever power I have to actually affect change in the organization. We talk yeah. about that in terms of privilege. So this is each and every one of us accepting what privileges do I hold as an individual? We all have privileges. What are my set of privileges? And how can I deploy them to actually affect uh, those pro-social behaviors and that increase of culture? Yeah, cool, thank you. Um, so just bringing things together then. So there's so many, <clears throat> there's so many issues um, we talk about some of these big issues on, on our podcast. So whether it be, um, you know, diversity, inclusion, obviously that the pandemic and how that's in, impacting businesses in the energy industry today, there's so many businesses going out of business and into administration because of the, the challenging environment. 
Um, the fact that furloughs had ended for so many businesses, so many things hitting business right now. Um, how do we how do we maintain um, inclusion as a, as a top five issue? Um, how do we keep it on the agenda when a leader of an organisation they might be thinking, well, I've just got to keep my business afloat, actually, and I'll get and I'll get to the inclusion thing another day, uh, and maybe that day never comes. But how do how do we keep it? How do we keep the ball rolling? Okay, um, in terms of top five priorities, say, or um, you know, this being uh, perceived as almost a you know um, an additional piece of work. Um, this underpins everything that we do. This should underpin everything that we do. So it's almost not a, you know, if you think about sort of those vertical pillars and you've got five of those and those are your top priorities, this would be a horizontal pillar. This would be a horizontal pillar which is underpinning all of those priorities. You yeah. cannot achieve those priorities in the most successful and effective way unless you have dealt with issues around the culture because that's essentially what we're talking about here. Yeah. So the cultural issues, when we talk about equity and we talk about belonging and we talk about diversity and we talk about inclusion, all of that actually lends itself to organisations, as we know, as research tells us, to being more productive, individuals within the organisation being more engaged and overall the organisation being more um, you know, profitable. Um, and within that, then what you have is if you get the diversity and inclusion side of things right, then you've got people working well together, people that almost are bouncing off each other in terms of ideas and innovation, etc. And the reason why some organisations have found themselves in this position of either going out of business or not being able to maintain profits, etc., because they didn't have the foresight. They didn't have the foresight of, you know, addressing issues such as these and appreciate, you know, sometimes we need um almost you know that sort of foresight that experience in order to be able to look back in hindsight and say okay we'll do things differently but for me an inclusive culture is 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 getting our leaders especially but everybody in the organization having an agile mindset because when we talk about the pandemic we talk very much about agile policies and procedures allowing mm. people to work remotely flexibly etc to me this is something different when we talk about inclusive cultures it's not about agile policies procedures it's about agile mindset how do we get our minds in a position where we're breaking down all sorts of barriers? When we think about diversity, you talked about job descriptions, et cetera. You know, now all of a sudden we can employ people without any geographical boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so therefore we can get more diversity and we've got people, we don't care where they're working, you know, yeah. what they look like. You know, sometimes we haven't even seen them face to face, you know. Yeah. We've just had a telephone interview or whatever it might be, or they, they didn't have their camera switched on when we had that virtual meeting. You know, yeah. all sorts of issues, but 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 you've demonstrated to me the competencies that I require and the values that I require for you to be able to do this job. And none, none, none of the other stuff matters. So if we've been able to do that now, you know, sometimes I think we have um, put our round, surrounded ourselves with these almost artificial boundaries and barriers. And now all of a sudden we've dismantled them because the pandemic has forced us to. Yeah. But why can we not start to think about developing agile mindsets and what that agile mindset looks like in practice? Because I think that's a totally different discussion. Yes, no, I agree. And I think putting it that way as a as a horizontal, almost the foundation of a business. Mm. Um, and and you know, culture is is fundamental to an organisation, but but clearly, the business value um, of 
different mindsets and not not operating in a, in a in an echo chamber of ideas of similar people um, does separate you from from the competition for sure and and that that's something where you can use data and feelings in in a really clever way to to, to pull it all together. So I think that's a that's a a really positive way of of, of pulling it together. And um, one in it separates you in terms of that innovation, etc. But it also saves you a lot of money in that you know there is research to say organisations, companies actually spend um actually lose. 33 billion pounds in terms of workplace dispute in managing workplace dispute 33 billion pounds and that equates to 370 working days that are lost by that business because people wow. go and sick or whatever it might be yes. so if you think about you know if we had diversity and inclusion underpinning um, our workplaces all of that money almost that organizations could have saved along the way which yeah. might have come in handy on this rainy day so to speak Yes. So there's a number of perspectives you can look at this, but diversity and inclusion, if we get that right, you yeah. know, it lends itself to organisations being more robust and being able to withstand these kinds of situations. Agreed, agreed. Um, so you've won me over um, as, as this sort of executive in this scenario. Um, and we've we finished the meeting and, that, and, that's, and that's wonderful. Um, you've got my business. Um, and you're walking away from the meeting, and, and generally, when you walk away from these meetings, are you, are you getting the feeling these days that we're on, we're on an upward curve um, of improving um, this conversation, or are we plateauing? Is it, to your earlier point, is it linked to, you know, World Mental Health Day, you know, and events in society that, that spike activity, or is there a general upward trend? Um. I would, I would like to see more organisations in the space where this is a programmatic approach. They're mm. building upon every activity uh, month after month, year after year, as opposed to, yes, that reactionary um, response. So organisation, there's definitely a shift. And, but some of this shift, I would say, is by default is natural, yeah. you know, organic growth that organisations will make. Um, what I'd like to see is a bit more of a fundamental shift here. So it's, as I mentioned earlier, the words I used was purposeful and deliberate, you know, and I, I, I'm not seeing as many organisations being uh, hugely purposeful and deliberate around this. Mm. There is there is the will there. There yeah. is the will. But in terms of clear strategies and clear visions, you know, that that sort of, you know, planned cultural shift is still lacking. Lots of goodwill. Lots of goodwill. People want to change. People hope to change. But mm. those are very that's very different to you know making change happen yes, you know yes. wishing and hoping uh, and doing you know that sort of you know scattergun approach let's do this and let's do that is very different to making change effective sustainable change happen in organizations so i'd like to see more organizations shifting in that way absolutely yeah. have we made progress yes we have uh, sometimes we are yeah uh, we are we do focus on for example race there was a huge focus last year i do see that plateauing off we just need to make sure on all dimensions of diversity, we've got, you know, a foot on the pedal uh, yeah. all of the time. Yes, agreed. Okay, thank you. Um, so so that's that's the, the end of today's podcast. Uh, oh. Thank you for, for that. I mean, I've been really, um, you, you are absolutely an expert, by the way. You absolutely are. <laughs> so um, whilst I, I get 
that this is such a broad topic. Nobody can be an expert in all things. Um, and clearly, we're, we're always learning. We're always adapting. We're always moving on, aren't we? Um, but, you, you know, you speak so wonderfully on the topic. Um, you know, you, your range of experience is clearly sort of coming through. And I, and I, I'm sure our, our listeners and have been listening to this podcast will sort of take quite a lot from this. And if we can have more people like you sitting in front of businesses and, and trying to educate them, either as a almost like a, a diversity inclusion, inclusion mentor or coach or, you know, more of those people in organisations um, you know, helping people along because again, it's it's about blind spots that, that people just aren't aware of. Um, then that becomes the model. Our, yeah, absolutely. Sorry to interrupt, Ian. And particularly our leaders. So when yes. you talk about mentoring and coaching, coaching in this space, yeah, leadership. I do see a huge disparity there. We need to get our leaders where they're more competent and more capable and more confident in this area, and then we'll start to see traction. Yes, no, I agree. And it and it's better, I think, to make a mistake with the intention is good and, and, and then hold your hand up and say, well, you know, we, we got that wrong or I got that wrong um, and here's what we're going to do to rectify it because what we were trying to do was this uh, and we, we, we did get it wrong. So I'd rather be doing something with positive intent than, than not doing something out of fear of getting it wrong. Yeah, trial and error is part exactly. and parcel of this process, yeah. Exactly, definitely. Um, so... Uh, for our listeners, as always, uh, thank you for, for choosing to listen to What the Future. Uh, today's uh, podcast, uh, you know, I've, I've really loved it, really enjoyed having having the conversation. Uh, if you have enjoyed this episode, then please hit the subscribe button. Really helps us out to have as, as many subscribers as possible. Keeps us being able to do this every week. Um, as we've touched on there, uh, from a mentoring point of view, if you are looking for a, a mentor or to become a mentor, um, then please check us out. Uh, we are on www.futureleadersmentoring.com. Um, there's a join us button. Um, tap that and then somebody will be in touch. So um, uh, that, that's the end of uh, today's podcast and we will see you again next week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Baljeet. Thank you.